You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. There's so much interesting Torah happening in Eretz Israel. There's really just this unique Torah of, of just talking about in terms of Kabbalah, in terms of Hasidus, and, and in all sorts of communities in the Dati Lumi world. And, um, and in America, it seems to not be happening so much. There seems to not be that those the types of Tamil Chachamim that they have there. And, 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 and um, Baruch Hashem Joey is really a, is, an, is an exception to that. He's really someone who, um, despite his best efforts to, uh, to not Put himself out there, but he's, his Torah is just so, so deep and so real that people are, are coming to him. People are beating a door, to, you know, beating a path to, to his door. Um, it's really, um, it's a real zchus. I, 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 I think I did this lishma, but I have to admit that part of me thinks that I just did this just so I could get to walk for him for 45 minutes before the shear tonight. Um, but it's a, it's a real zchus, um, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what else to say, but, but, but. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop there, but I could. I could say a lot more. Now, I think that when Chazal say that you begin speaking in honor of the person who has opened their house, it's simply another expression of Mida Keneged Mida. That if the Achsanya have opened up their house to a stranger for the ability to share Torah in their home and for guests, then it's only fitting that the speaker, somebody who's going to be sharing Torah, does the same exact thing and open up for the guest, for the host. And I would also like to thank the sponsor for tonight's shir, Mezrus Hashem, any Torah or any light that comes out of this shir. The individual light that a person might experience, or really I speak to myself and anybody who eavesdrops will be able to hear it, the individual light is yours, um, but the collective kind of experience of teaching Torah should be Le'ilu Nishmas Pinchas Yoel Ben Yitzchak, which is um, an, an incredible name, actually, if you did a shiur on the name itself. But, um, what I want to speak tonight a, a little bit is about my favorite time of the week and my favorite yomtif, which is Motzei Shabbos. Um, and my wife rolls her eyes when I say that because Motzei Shabbos is typically going to be conceived as a time that's filled with a certain despondency, a certain sadness about the ebbing away from Shabbos or what Rav Tzadak HaKoyin Me'Lavlin describes as being cast out Me'Igra Rama Labira Amikta, basically the trauma of Motzei Shabbos. That Motzei Shabbos is quite literally what Chazal would describe as a traumatic fall away from the pristine unity and mindful presence of Shabbos back into the harrowing, frightening space of Chol. And it's important for me not to speak too much about what's so frightening about Chol. I, I tend to do that, especially I work with individuals on a daily basis who experience Chol in the most profound way. 
And I myself am very aware, as we all are, of the whole, of the frightening nature of whole. But we'll, we'll work with the words of Mishlei when it says, nafsho. Each and every heart knows what whole means to them at this point in time and what's frightening about whole. And so she rolls her eyes when I say that it's my favorite time of the week. Um, but there's something about Motzei Shabbos that allows us to develop and cultivate a new type of relationship with Shabbos that's not really possible on Shabbos. It's not possible on Erev Shabbos, which is a time of waiting for Shabbos. It's not possible on Shabbos itself, which is when we're engulfed with Shabbos, we're in the mikvah of Shabbos. It's really only the perspective that we can have as we take leave of Shabbos. Because Motzei Shabbos is not simply falling away from Shabbos, but it's ensuring that we drag Shabbos with us into the Chol, into that dark, scary place. When we read the Zmiros of Monte Shabbos, when we say, Altira Avdi Yaakov, that basically it's a comforting love song of Klal Yisrael to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Jewish people, of as you descend out of that space of unity, as you descend away from the calmness of spirit, of being able to be okay for a moment. What Shabbos is, for me, encapsulated is the permission to be okay with where one is for a moment, not no need to run forwards or backwards, but to be okay where one is. Ki'ilu kom asuya, as if all of your work is done. The Ma'orainayim, the Vilnagon point out that when Chazal tell us that a person on Shabbos needs to live with the mindset as if all of their work is done, it doesn't simply apply to physical nature, but it applies to spiritual matters as well. That quite literally on Shabbos, it's a taste of a future presence where a person is okay for a moment. And as we get ready to depart away from that space, we're filled with an anxiety, we're filled with a fear. And Hashem tells Bnei Yisrael, Al tira abdi Yaakov, do not be afraid. In, when Hashem tells us not to be afraid, he's not saying, don't be afraid, my children, there's nothing to be afraid of. When Hashem says, don't be afraid, it means I understand very well why you would be afraid. I understand all of the reasons that you rightfully have to be afraid. But nevertheless, what I am telling you is that still, in spite of all of that, do not be afraid. And that is the space that we're trying to cultivate when Motzei Shabbos comes. We're gonna, first we're gonna begin with a chazal that, that help us understand the significance of Motzei Shabbos. That Motzei Shabbos as a time of Shabbos in and of itself and not simply a bookend to Shabbos, is not something that most people are aware of. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, famously said that the Jewish people have developed a healthy relationship with Shabbos, but they have yet to develop a relationship with Arab Shabbos. Rav Soloveitchik also said something similar. But you don't find too many statements about developing a relationship with Motzei Shabbos. But I think it's explicit in, the, in a profound teaching of Chazal. And those of you who know me, this is a teaching that is very close to my heart. Because I think it's embellic of, of really, it's like the deepest most Jewish teaching in the world. Chazal want to know, in Masechah's Beitz on Dav Tesvav Aleph, how do we know that we got a Neshama Yaseira? Something that we're all aware of from the time that we're young. That on Shabbos we're endowed with an extra capacity to engage with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rashi Al-Eser, in that place, explains it as an ability to eat more, an ability to sleep more, and an ability to contemplate more. So it's not simply you know spiritual or physical, it's a liminal space that bridges both. The question Chazal want to ask is, how do we know that we get this, right? So Chazal say, the Pasuk says, Shabbos vayinafash. When Shabbos came, Hashem was finally able to exhale, kavyachol, and to take a break because everything was done. 
And Chazal, in only the way that Chazal can deliberately misread a Pasuk in order to bring out a teaching that is so counterintuitive to what the text is saying in the most Jewish way possible, were shown a profound light. Chazal say that if you look at the word Vayinafash, which means, and he rested, it can be broken up into the composite words, Vay Nefesh, woe to my soul. And Chazal say that how do you know that we have an extra spiritual capacity on Shabbos in the Shami Yisera? Because when Motzei Shabbos comes and that extra soul departs away from the person, you're going to feel a mournful sadness over the fact that you have lost that Neshami Yisera. So the fact that we are aware of the fact that we will eventually mourn the departure of our extra soul is the proof Chazal used to tell us that we get an extra soul. So is there anything more Jewish? The anticipatory grief over losing something that we don't have yet is what is the proof to the fact that we have it. Because we're anxious about losing our extra soul on Motzei Shabbos, we know that we get it on Shabbos. And so Motzei Shabbos is not simply the absence of Shabbos, it's actually what proves Shabbos to us. The fact that we feel a certain way on Motzei Shabbos, the fact that unconsciously or consciously all of us feel just a little bit more broken on Motzei Shabbos, or broken might not be the proper phrase. The fact that we all feel a little bit more frightened on Motzei Shabbos is proof to the light of Shabbos. Now, I don't typically teach out of the Arizal, but we're going to look at a very simple statement from the Arizal and try and, that's going to be the purpose of this year, to understand one line from the Arizal. The Arizal says, when describing the kavanos, the intentions that a person is supposed to have on Motzei Shabbos, in particular by eating Malava Malka, which we're all doing right now, and the words Vayihi Noam that a person very often says post-Ma'ariv, that a person is supposed to try and connect to the Or Choser of Shabbos, that a person needs to have in mind that they're cultivating an attachment to the returning light of Shabbos. And the Arizal gives a mushal for this, that there's two concepts. There's Or Yashar, a straight light that comes down from above directly to us. We can see the source of that light. We know where it comes from. We know when it's coming. And we know that we have a relationship to it. And then there's something called an or choser, a returning light, or a reverberating light. That or choser is our relationship with light as it leaves us, as it goes back to where it came from. So if you imagine when a person drops a ball, this is how Raputner describes this in his Ma'amar Manpurim. When you drop a ball, the energy that the ball takes to go from on high to below, that's or yashar. It goes from on high, it's very clear that energy forces it down to a certain place. The or choser is the reaction that once something reaches its purpose, or once something reaches its place, it goes back up again to return back to its source. When Shabbos comes, we're experiencing the light of Shabbos directly. On Motzei Shabbos, what we experience is the light of Shabbos returning back to Hashem. And what does a person do when something that they love so deeply begins to depart? We try and grab hold of it. So Motzei Shabbos, according to the Arizal, is the time when the light of Shabbos is ebbing away. It's already on its way, but we're saying goodbye to it, and we're mourning its departure. And for the Arizal and for our tzaddikim, mourning the departure of holiness is not simply saying goodbye to something that was once present, but it's a way of developing a new type of relationship with that thing. That this is true in terms of all Avelus. Avelus is not simply saying goodbye to something. Avelus is cultivating a relationship through a different way. By recognizing absence, 
by being aware that Shabbos is no longer here, we now develop and we deepen our relationship with the concept of Shabbos in an even deeper way. And I believe that this is everything that Motzei Shabbos is all about. The Arizal gives us an imagery even. The Arizal gives an imagery of a deer that is running away. And suddenly you call out to that deer and the deer turns its head to you. So the body of the deer is still running away. Shabbos is no longer present. But in that moment when the face of the deer turns back to you, in its departure, there's a sense of relationship that basically says to a person, yes, I'm leaving. Yes, Shabbos is no longer here, but I want to be with you as much as you want to be with me. That I will remember you as much as you remember me. And what Shabbos is saying to us, that goodbye kiss of Shabbos, is that if you remember my departure, you will be able to drag my memory back into the mundanity of the week as well. And when we draw that or choser of Shabbos back to us, it's not the or yasher of Shabbos. It's not that direct experience of Shabbos that is filled with mindfulness and sensitivity to matters of spirituality, but it's a different type of relationship, an or choser relationship, which says that in spite of the fact that Shabbos is gone, the trace of Shabbos still remains deeply embedded within me and traced upon my heart, which gives me the ability come Sunday to say, Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos. And on Monday to say, Hayom Yom Sheni B'Shabbos. When we experience Motzei Shabbos properly, when we say goodbye and we mourn the fact that we no longer have Shabbos, what we're showing ourselves is that all I can think about this week, all I can do this entire week, is yearn for Shabbos, is yearn to reconnect to that departing light of Shabbos. Now, with that being said, Shabbos is a frightening time for the neshama. Shabbos is a time where that supernal presence of mind, that ability to be okay, does depart. And it's important for us to be aware of that. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us a gift of Moshe Shabbos. This is the specter, the ghost of Shabbos. He goes by the name of Eliyahu Hanavi. Eliyahu Hanavi's time is Lel Seder and, and Motzei Shabbos. And we're going to see, Bezras Hashem, how the two of those can be connected, parenthetically. In the departure of that extra soul, whenever death and whenever darkness, and again, when I say the word death, I, I want to be very careful. The Zohar in the Idra Rabbah, one of the most important places in the Zohar, says as follows, Kol man denachis midarge delay ikra misa. Any individual who descends from the level that they were previously at is considered as having died. And as Rav Kook teaches us so often, death does not simply mean the end or the cessation of life. Death means any time anything departs. Any time a person feels that they have lost some capacity that they previously had, that is enough of a zir anpin, of a miniature experience of what it feels like to die. To have had something and to lose it is enough to understand that concept, that klala that is in the world of Misa. So quite literally, the time of Motzei Shabbos is a time of Misa. It's a time of a particular death, all the more so because our extra soul has departed from us, which is why we smell the besamim to actually revive ourselves, as Chazal tell us, and the Mishnah Bura brings down, based on the Shulchan Aruch, that the smelling of those strong, poignant smells and potent smells of the besamim are meant to revive the soul, like smelling salts. Elioanavi arrives whenever there's a transition. Elioanavi is a profoundly liminal creature, a liminal figure, liminal in the sense that it's not either in presence or absence, it's not in arriving or exiting. Elio Anavi straddles both fences. Elio Anavi is the type of creature that lives in the future and lives down here. 
He lives in death and he's dead in life. To the point that there's a halachic question as to how Eliyahu's wife could have actually remarried after his death, because is he dead or is he alive? What exactly is this individual status? And halachically speaking, Rabruve Margulis Schuster Delano wrote an entire sefer on this, where it speaks about the liminal qualities of Eliyahu, which is why, as Rafutner and other tzaddikim point down to us, Eliyahu is very often found at liminal points in our lives. Liminal meaning that it's a doorpost. A doorpost can both be a space of exit as well as a space of entering. It can provide an entrance into a place as well as an exit away from something. It occupies both planes. Eliyahu on, on Leil Pesach, where do we find him? Waiting at the doorpost. He's not quite in, he's not quite out. It's stuck somewhere between the fantasy of childhood where we believe that Eliyahu is actually going to come and that we can't shake the table because Eliyahu needs his full glass of wine and between the rationality of adulthood which says Eliyahu is not arriving. On Leil Seder, we open ourselves up to that liminal space of fantasy and rationality where we suspend ourselves for but a second. Eliyahu comes to every bris milah, Chazal have told us. The bris milah is when the child is able to come out of a space of impurity into a level of purity. The bris milah itself is almost symbolic of this. It's an act of removal that is revealing. It's an act of concealment, of hiding something that allows something to be born. Eliyahu comes whenever the Jewish people need good news. Hearing good news, hearing a basura tova, is a liminal space because before the good news, I was despondent, I was broken. After the good news, I feel good about things. Eliyahu always arrives in these liminal spaces. Motzei Shabbos is exactly that. Motzei Shabbos is not quite whole, and it's not quite Shabbos. The Arizal tells us that eating Malava Malka, that eating the meal of Malava Malka, and saying Vayi Noam, connects us to the light of Shabbos as we drag it out into Motzei Shabbos. The Ariza points out, and the Mishabur brings this down as well, based on the Shulchan Aruch, that the meal of Malafa Malka is not like any other meal. Other meals sustain the body. There are certain sudos that sustain the soul, like Shalashudis, when a person is no longer hungry, or at least in theory shouldn't be hungry anymore, but it feeds the Neshama. On Motzei Shabbos, the Shulchan Aruch brings down that the sustenance of Malafa Malka that fourth additional meal, that meal of David Malka Meshicha, it feeds a very particular space within the individual, something referred to as the etzem haluz, the luz bone. Now the luz bone is a profound sugya that runs throughout Chazal, as well as our Mekubalim and our Hasidic, as well as Misnagdic masters. But suffice it to say that the luz bone is what is referred to as being that indestructible point within every individual, within every Jewish person, that survives death. To the point that Lo Aleinu, the Minchas Yitzchak, our Poiskin, had to actually utilize this concept, Lahalacha. What happens when a Jewish body is no longer identifiable? What happens when there's nothing left to bury? Do you bury irreducible remains? And the Halachic Poskim said, yes, we believe very deeply that in spite of the fact that everything else has been destroyed, there still remains an indestructible remainder that is not necessarily perceptible by the human eye, but we believe deeply in Tarish Balpeh that it's there, and halachically you were capable of burying ashes. You were capable of burying a body that no longer existed. So the Lisbon is a real concept. But beyond being a physical concept that can be applied to halachic situations, it's also a spiritual concept. <laughs> On Shabbos, our bodies are alive. Our souls are alive. The body and the soul are connected. Motzei Shabbos is death. 
Motzei Shabbos is when the neshama leaves the body. The only thing that we can do is eat food to give sustenance to the fact that there always remains something that remains. No matter how far a person has fallen from the light of Shabbos, no matter how distant a person has become from the light of Kedusha in their lives, from the light of Amunah in their lives, from the sense of comfort in their lives, we always need to believe in the Luzbon, in the Etzem Haluz that remains in spite of everything. And on Motzei Shabbos, we're giving chayas to that. We're feeding it. I've said this before, but Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, he says two things. He sometimes says, Asur it's forbidden to give up hope, which implies that it's a halachic concept. There's the potential of losing hope in this world, but it's usur to give up hope. So losing hope is a possibility, but it's usur. And then sometimes in the same sentence, him or Rabbi Nassim will say, there's no such thing as losing hope, which implies that losing hope is not a reality. What Rabbi Nachman is teaching is the Torah of the Luzbon, that yes, death can happen, and it's usher to enter into that space of death. The person always has to hold on to the light of Shabbos. But even when you lose hope in Shabbos, even when you feel that Shabbos is not present anymore, it's then revealed that there always remains an irreducible remainder, an irreducible trace of Shabbos that exists in spite of your best efforts to lose hope in it. No matter how much you try and lose hope in Shabbos, there will always be a light of Shabbos that penetrates into the whole, that allows us to say, Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos, Hayom Yom Sheni B'Shabbos, that in spite of the fact that it's whole, it's whole inside and it's whole outside, and all of the things that whole mean to a person, the anxiety, the anticipatory anxiety of what comes next, the depression about what has happened in the past, the feeling of not being good enough in every facet, Shabbos tells us that we're okay, and we can never lose hope on that light of Shabbos. That's what Malava Malka is teaching us. Elio Anavi comes on Motzei Shabbos and says, this is my Basura Tova to you. My Basura Tova to you is that in spite that you feel that you've fallen away from Shabbos, Shabbos is still present in your life, even though you don't feel it, because by not feeling Shabbos, that's a certain level of testifying to the presence of Shabbos. By feeling that Shabbos has departed, we're also grabbing Shabbos. It's the deer that's running away, but as it's running away, it turns its face back to us through that orchoser, and it reminds us that it's still present. Eliwanavi is the one who comes to redeem us from Sveikos. Motzei Shabbos is a time of Suffolk. Motzei Shabbos is the time where all of Shabbos, if we've done it somewhat properly, we've been able to say to ourselves that I don't have to worry about the things of the week. I don't have to worry about those things in work or those anxieties about health or family. I actively participate in the mindful practice of pushing out unhealthy thoughts on Shabbos. Comes Motzei Shabbos, for me it's opening up my phone and wondering what terrible news has taken place. But again, Lev Yodeh Maras Nafsho, we're assaulted with the doubts of the week, with the responsibilities of the week, where we live with that abiding feeling either that there's too much that needs to be done that has not been accomplished, or that we're in the wrong place at the wrong time and there's somewhere else that we need to be. Both of which are the birthplace of what we might refer to as a healthy level of human anxiety. Elio Anavi comes on Shabbos to suspend those sveikos. The Shulchan Aruch says something incredible. The Shulchan Aruch says that you can't make Havdalah until three small stars appear in the sky. But what happens if it's cloudy? What happens is Rabbi Nachman teaches us that the clouds of Suffolk surround the light of intellect and we no longer know which way is up and which way is down. What happens then? 
When do we leave Shabbos and enter into Motzei Shabbos? The Shulchan Aruch of Yosef Cairo that you can't make Abdullah That's the Lashon of the Shulchan Aruch that you can't make Abdullah until doubt leaves your heart. There are a lot of other simanim that the Shulchan Aruch could have given for when to know that it's actually night. But I believe that what the Shulchan Aruch and the Gra makes a big deal out of this as well, the Gra Shusa Ganalenu, that Motzei Shabbos is the time of Histalkas Asafik from the heart. There's no relevance of Suffolk on Shabbos. But comes Motzei Shabbos, Suffolk is there. Suffolk is present. A Malik, which is the gematria of Suffolk, which comes to say all of the power that you felt on Shabbos is meaningless because you're going back into the hole now. The Shulchan Aruch says you need to wait to make Havdalah, that wonderful mitzvah of Havdalah, until that Suffolk has left your heart. Anavi is the one who comes to settle Sveikos. Anavi is that clarity that comes. When Chazal deal with difficulties, when Chazal deal with unanswerable questions, ultimately they're able to say, Teku, we don't know the answer to this. Chazal, as we all know, anybody who learns Talmud Badli or Talmud Yerushalmi understands that the Gemara is something that teaches an individual on a deep level that the world that you live in has more doubts than clarity, has more questions than answers, has more darkness than light very often. I remember as a fifth grader, the first exposure that I had to Gemara was someone trying to steal my talus. As a kid, you're thinking, what is this? Isn't a talus something holy? What if, why would someone try and steal a talus? What Chazal are trying to tell us very simply is that very often this world will appear meaningless. Someone might try and steal your talus. Or as I grew up understanding from Alexander's no good, very bad, horrible day, that sometimes there will be days that are very bad and horrible. And you have to learn how to deal with it. Eliyonavi comes and says, Teku, Tishpi yavo v'yataritz kushos v'abayos. La'asid lavo Eliyonavi will come and answer up those unanswerable questions. On Motzei Shabbos, when we confronted with the deepest doubts of ourselves, of other people, and Hashem's presence in the world, but we're forced to acknowledge that Eliyonavi is here to mimesalik l'safik from our hearts, to remind us that it is okay to be a human being in this world with emuna. We don't need to know everything. Am I, how am I on time? Because I, I keep wanting to try and take my phone out, but I don't want to do that. How about keep going? Keep going. Rav Kook's Chusayag Analenu has an interesting teaching, and it's really not found elsewhere in Chazal. Rav Kook, in, in, a, in a very strange makor, not many people, even those who learn Rav Kook, and anyone who learns Rav Kook, Ashrach Vatovlach. And we should all be zoichet to learn the Torah of Rav Kook. And I know that if, if anybody's friends with Rav Pesach, you know and you know, understand that it's valuable to learn the Torah of Rav Kook. Rav Kook writes in Mido Sara'aya, where he expresses his most personal writings, his poetry and his kind of own personal journals. There's a page that says, Machshavos Lemotze Shabbos. And Rav Kook writes as follows, and I wish I brought it to read it out loud. Rav Kook says that every Motzei Shabbos, Eliyahu sits beneath the Eitz HaChayim. And what Eliyahu is do- doing underneath the Eitz HaChayim is he's writing down the Schuyos of Klai Yisrael. That he's simply writing down the merits of the Jewish people. Reminding himself and reminding HaKadosh Baruch Hu simply how wonderful, how powerful, how severely faithful the Jewish people are. Now, like we said before, if somebody is fully good, when you have a wonderful child, you don't have to remind them how great they are. You don't have to remind yourself how great they are. 
You simply know it. But when you have that problem child, which is a terrible phrase to even use, I'm a therapist, so I apologize for that. When you have that child who has more difficulties or more challenges than the other children, you have to sometimes remind yourself why you love them. You have to sometimes remind yourself at the end of the day why all of the effort is worth it, why the struggle is worth it. Eliyahu sitting down on Motzei Shabbos and writing the Schludus of Klai Yisrael is not because we're so great. It's because comes Motzei Shabbos, it's descent back into the weekday. And we forget our own schuyos. Forget Hashem forgetting our schuyos. Hashem doesn't forget our schuyos. We're the ones who forget our schuyos. And Eliyahu sits and he reminds himself and he reminds us and he reminds HaKadosh Baruch Hu how worthy we are. How powerful of a nation we are. How powerful each and every one of us is in our own individual thisness. Every breath that we take, every positive thought that a Jew thinks in 2020 is a kiddush Hashem she'en kamohu. The fact that we have survived what we have survived and continue to persevere are the schuyos that Elio Anavi comes to write. Rabbi Nachman asks a very wonderful question in Torah Kufyot Tess, in Lukut Maran Kama, the first volume of Lukut Maran. I'm sorry, it's not Kufyot Tess, it's Kufyot Zion, the 117th teaching in Lukut Maran. Rabbi Nachman asks as follows, Ha'inin shakasha lishon b'motzei Shabbos. Why is it hard to sleep on Motzei Shabbos? You would think that it was a very modern thinker asking this. And the answer would be because we want to watch the sports game or we want to wait online for pizza or our kids are out with their friends and we have to wait up for them to make sure that they're okay. Rabbi Nachman was asking this in the 1700s in Ukraine. Why is it hard to sleep on Motzei Shabbos? He wasn't asking it as a physiological question. He was asking a very deep existential question. What happens at that transition point from Shabbos to Motzei Shabbos? Why is it hard for the soul to settle itself? Is it because we're terrified of what comes next? Or is it because of something that took place on Shabbos? Is it a holy anxiety of missing something holy? Or is it a negative, mundane anxiety of what comes next? And Rabbi Nachman has a profound answer. He says, Chazal tell us that Eliyahu Navi cannot arrive on Erev Shabbos, and he cannot arrive on Shabbos because of the Tchum Shabbos. The first time that Eliyahu Navi is able to arrive again is Motzei Shabbos. Eliyahu Navi comes to what? To be Mazgir Emes. Chazal tell us. Elio Navi is the paradigm of truth, to reveal to us who we truly are. That even in the darkest of times, there's a Basura Tova waiting for us. Elio Navi Zachur Latov. Elio Navi Zachur Latov. The Tzadikim would say it hundreds of times on Motzei Shabbos. Hundreds of times. The Arizal has Kavanos of simply saying the permutation of the name Elio Navi countless times over and over. Because Elio Navi is that idea that in spite of the fact that we feel dark and afraid, we are good and we are light. And Rabbi Nachman says that Shena, sleep, slumber, unconsciousness, is surrounding oneself with Sheker and Dimyon. Entering into that space where things go bump in the night, where dreams tell us falsehoods that need to be interpreted to be revealed as true, as we learn from Yosef HaTzadik in these weeks' Parshios. Eliwanavi comes and he's Mazkir Emes. He reminds us that there's Emes in your Neshama and there's Emes in the world. And if Shena is Sheker and Eliwanavi is Emes, it's very Pashat for Rabbi Nachman. The reason it's difficult to sleep on Motzei Shabbos is because we remember the truth that Eliwanavi is bringing into our lives. So when we find ourselves awake at night contemplating those things that makes us anxious, what we need to remember on Motzei Shabbos is that we're feeding our loose bone. 
we're feeding that irreducible point of connection that we have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're hearing good news from Eliyahu Navi. Even when it feels bad, even when it feels dark, the light, that shalva, that candle, that illuminates the darkness on Motzei Shabbos, as the Svardim know it best. The Svardim have a custom before making the bracha on the candle itself, and anyone correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong on how this minhag works, they laugh. There's a laughing, there's a deliberate laugh. It's not a, it's not a laugh that something is funny, it's a ha 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 ha. They actively say ha 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 ha. Because that's schok, that laughter, that laughter of Mashiach, of v'tischok le'omacharon, it comes to say that specifically where you feel darkness, that's where you can uncover the deepest level of light. So Be'ezrash Hashem, B'schus of gathering together and eating from Lava Malka, and feeding that part of ourselves that needs that chayos, that needs that sustenance, we should all be zochet to say tomorrow with a little bit more hislavus that hayom yom rishon b'Shabbos, that every day of the week is simply preparation for Shabbos. Because ultimately what HaKadosh Baruch Hu will reveal to us very soon in Mir Hashem is that everything is Shabbos. It's always been Shabbos, it always has been Shabbos, and it will always will be Shabbos. Be'ezrash Hashem. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I, I, I can't tell you what it means to me. So thank you. Thank you to Rav Pesach. Thank you to the host. Thank you to the sponsor. And um, Klai Yisrael is alive and well. And, you know, we just have to continue hoping for Elio Navi to come on that day where he reminds us that we're alive and well. Okay, Shavua Tov. Thank you. I just want to let everyone know that um, from Joey, one of the things that uh, very special, he shares every Monday night, there's a... This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.